Hi, welcome back to another episode of Master of Zilch podcast. I'm your host, Trev Montavon. Today, we are joined by Fabiano Menino. He is a leader in um, teaching about masculine leadership. He's also done a lot of work with helping people work through trauma with uh, via breathwork and other modalities. He is a massive wealth of knowledge, and I know you guys are going to get so much out of this episode today. I'm super honored to have him on. And without further ado, Fabiano, if you could tell us um, just a little bit about who Fabiano Menino is, how he got here, and uh, where we can find you. Mm, absolutely. Uh, first, thank you for this opportunity and to share with your listeners, your following, and really just dive into this conversation. I know we're, there's a, a lot of different topics we'll just be flowing into, no real structure, which is great. I, I love conversational flows about this because for me it's just like you know, second nature and um so i'm just really excited to be able to provide you know hopefully provide some actionable tactical things for your listeners to take away as well as as well as maybe like uh, life experience maybe my story resonates with some some of your listeners in a way where you know some things start to click and so i'm uh, just very honored to be here so thank you thank you so a little bit about uh, my journey. I got divorced in December 10th of 2018 or 2014. So almost a decade ago. Um, and, you know, before that I was depressed. I was, I felt isolated um, because of these stigmas and old dogmas of, of, you know, what masculinity is and what men can and can't do, what they should uh, share and what they should feel. And, and, um, so I became very depressed, very isolated in, in my marriage. And I started having suicidal ideations, you know, and, and for me, it came down to a point of like, why is this even an option? You know, why is that something that's even on the table? It just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and while, when, it, while I may have not been conscious of it at the time, there was something that was pulling me to, to, to start my own journey. You know, I made a commitment to this person and, you know, through marriage counseling and, uh, relationship counseling, and even our own individual counseling, I realized that there was no way we were going to be able to grow together in this relationship, or even, you know, there was no way that grow individually and together. And so for the first time in my life, I chose myself and I had no plan. I didn't know what I was doing. And I just was like, I feel like I'm just supposed to go on a journey of my own personal development and understanding who I am in a world where everyone is trying to tell me what men, again, men should do, shouldn't do, feel, should feel. Um, and it brought me I guess I can go into the whole story. Um, I'll try to keep it a, a little short because it definitely it definitely feels like long, especially almost being a decade. But I ended up finding music festivals and exploring uh, psychedelics and uh, you know what I call extracurriculars of like MDMA and ecstasy and all that stuff. And I, it's funny because I always used to like golf 
at that at, at that and like judge people in that sense and it literally woke me up like these experiences of of really living uh in non-judgment like there's nobody around me that was judging me for way i was moving my body or dancing and i never danced before and so i found this sense of freedom and not being afraid to just let loose wherever i was and this opened me up to wanting to explore more because i started having these thoughts of like you know the meaning of life and like you know purpose and identity and really like understanding the subconscious mind and all of these things just started really kind of flowing in like i just felt like you know just you know as we as uh the term is like downloads mm -hmm. right i just started i just started having all these downloads and um and that really you know opened me up to you know uh, video podcasting i started listening to a lot of podcasts lewis howes school of greatness all yeah um Aubrey Marcus was a lot of people are familiar with um, Ed Milet, Andy Frisilla, you know, all of these guys, Joe Dispenza, like his work really was a pivotal shift and change for me. But again, I was doing all this stuff alone and it was just, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to about this. And so it felt somewhat isolating but this was actually i was like okay well you know i'm i'm not depressed i'm not any of these things this actually feels welcomed so it almost felt like a long period of solitude and you know i continued to go to music festivals and do all these things and i realized um because 2017 was a pretty pivotal year for me if and if you're familiar your listeners are familiar with uh, the saturn return 2017 was my Saturn return and it was June of 2017 and um, I ended up getting in a car accident driving over a bridge I fell asleep at the wheel and you know I was going uh, 65 70 miles an hour and you know I had been partying so much like I wasn't uh, I wasn't um, intoxicated exactly at the time I, I had drank, drank in that day. I stopped drinking at like four or 5 p.m. But the time of the car accident was like 10, 10, 45, 10, 10, 52 p.m. And, um, and I woke up and my entire car was totaled because I went airborne and I ended up hitting a car, a, a truck and realized I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, did I just kill these people? Like, did I... You know, I, I had no idea how many people were in there. And it was this moment of, you know, I call it the universal sledgehammer. You know, it was when everything came wrecking down because I was just, I realized in that moment through divine intervention, I was running, you know, I was chasing, mm -hmm. I was chasing these highs, I was chasing love, I was chasing intimacy, and I didn't have these things within myself. And I was trying to figure out who I was. And uh, by the grace of God, everybody that was in the uh, truck that I hit just like bumps and bruises. And uh, my car was totaled, I just had a slight concussion, uh, elbow and knee were bruised. And I would like to say that, you know, it was just that, that was the thing that happened that year. But unfortunately, like my dog died two weeks later, 
um, the woman that I was talking to ended up going back to her ex and I didn't find out until social media. Hmm. And, uh, I had one of my best friends died of a massive heart attack wow. and there was just a lot that happened all within that time frame. And again, for those that don't know, Saturn return is, is a time period in your life where Saturn returns back into orbit of when you were born, whether you believe in the astrology and the planets and, and that stuff. Um, there's some validity to it. Well, they, they say that the millionaire study of the markets, billionaire study astrology. I think there's quite a bit yeah. of validity to it. I like that. I haven't heard that before. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my Saturn return was during that time. And, uh, it was so many things happen, but there's also a lot of good things that happen. A lot of um, amazing things. I became a godfather three months, three months later in an Italian culture. That's a pretty big deal. You're the godfather. And, exactly. And, um, in this, my sister told me after the car accident and, you know, she knew that I was on my own journey and, and figuring shit out, but she's like, you understand what this means, you know, like this is a big deal. And so they're going to, you know, you're, your goddaughter is going to be looking up to you, you know, to be a representation or an example of a man. And so these things kept uh, you know, coming to me in a, in, in a way where I was in like try, just trying to figure shit out. You know, like a lot of us are just trying to figure shit out. We don't have the proper initiatory initiations and rite of passages like they did back back in the days or even in other countries. You know, in South American culture, it's definitely popular. African cultures, like uh, rite of passages or something. In Indian cultures, even in the U.S., right? The rite of passages are something that are necessary for boys to become men. Mm -hmm. And that we don't have that here. And, you know, obviously, you know, with, with the work I'm doing now, it's starting to come back. Like these things are starting to come back. And uh, without jumping too far ahead, I... 20, 2018 came around and this was a really pivotal year for me, 2018 into 2019. I started dating this woman at the end of 2018 and she triggered every single insecurity in me. <laughs> and, um, and I was, I started having this victim mentality. I'm like, you know, why, why am I this masculine individual in work and you know my sports in sports and every other area of my life and yet in my relationships i become a nice guy you know like it was a really big thing i didn't i couldn't understand it and uh i ended up going to iceland by myself for a week at the end of 2018 and i rented a camper van and i just traveled the country for seven days and it was my own it was my own little like spiritual journey. And, uh, I mean the whole fucking life is a spiritual journey, but, right. <laughs> um, this was a time where I was just like alone in another country. I didn't know anyone and I had never traveled outside the country by myself before. It was the first time ever, but I felt like it was something I needed to do. Like I really needed to do this for myself. And I just, I spent some of the time just like fucking crying in the van just like wondering like what the fuck like what am I here to do like this was a big thing for me like what am I here to do but I kept having this idea that I was I'm like I want to like I'm so easy for me to have conversations with women and share what I 
you know, and open up and share and, and be vulnerable. I'm like, why, you know, I want to have these conversations with men. And so I came back from, from Iceland uh, at the end of December and it was December like 15th. And, and this woman and I, we were, you know, still somewhat talking, but then at the end we made the decision um, to just be friends and it really hurt. And that was on December 30th of 2018. And so, you know, right before New Year's Eve, you know, the person I was going to spend it with now, like we weren't even together. And so I was just really heartbroken. And uh, New Year's Eve came around and I had a friend who called me and she's one of my best friends from high school. And, and she she called me saying she had just broken up her and her boyfriend had just broken up and, and she had just broken her ankle or at the time too, or sprained it or something. And she's like, I, I don't want to spend New Year's Eve alone. And so would you go out with me? You know, like, would you go out with me and, you know, we'll just see what, you know, go on the town and see what happens. And so I got dressed up in my suit. We went out. I like carried her in places because, um, you know, some of the, some of the places were obviously like, wet slippery alcohol over the floor and whatnot and I'm looking around and I'm just like everyone here is trying to find someone like everyone here is just getting drunk and just really just they're trying to find love in all the wrong places right like we're just so programmed to search for that midnight kiss Mm -hmm. and I was like I don't want it I, I didn't want any of this like I don't I don't I for me, it wasn't any, any fulfillment in it. And so midnight hit and um, I went over to her and I said, you know, she had just like started talking to a friend, a guy that was there. And I was like, are you good? Because I, I feel like I need to go. And so um, got to go ahead and, and made sure she was safe. And I just left, but I didn't go home. I ended up, I ended up uh, leaving and I went towards the water. There's something that was just pulling me there. I mean, I'm dressed up in a fucking three-piece suit. I'm like, why am I going to the water right now? Didn't make any sense. And I just, uh, there's this place in St. Pete downtown called Demon's Landing, Demon's Landing. It's it's one of my favorite spots. One of the places I've healed, I would say, the most. And um, I've spent a lot of time there on, by myself. And we got down to the water and I just fucking just started bawling my eyes out. I was like, you know, I think it was a full moon that night or something. The sky was bright, everything, and I just bawled my eyes out. And I was just like, I just, you know, in the movies when you see people like yelling out, like, you know, like I'm ready or whatever. I'm like, that wasn't what I was thinking about, but that's actually what happened. Like, it wasn't a thought or like uh, a thing where I'm just like, I'm going to do this at this time. You know, yeah. it was just yeah. like, that's what I was feeling. Just like heavy emotions, my heart. And I was just like, I'm fucking ready. Like, whatever it is I'm here to do, like, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm, I'm just ready. Um, and that's when shit started to, like, change, like, fast. Uh, I was told about this documentary called I'm Not Your Guru by Tony Robbins. And um, I'm not sure. Have you heard of it before? Honestly, I don't think I have, but it sounds interesting. It's fantastic. So it's, um, it's a documentary of one of his, it's one of his best events called date with destiny. 
Um, it's the event he took himself through and now like to change his life. And now he does it. Uh, he's hosted like 85 of them or something like that. Wow. And, uh, so this event, you know, it was the first time they ever had it, a, a film crew in there that was outside of Tony's and, uh, they each day represents something different. So one is like, you know, uh, important one for me was relationship day. Um, and I didn't realize it. I was just trying to learn and understand. And someone kept saying that like there, you know, multiple people recommended it to me within a short amount of time. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to watch this. And I wasn't really sure what I'm looking for or, or what I was going to watch, what I was, you know, hoping to get out of it. But there's this one part that came up and this woman stood up and it was on relationship day. This woman stood up and, you know, she's talking about her dream man like what she wants out of her dream relationship. And, and she's sharing these things and she goes, I want to, I want to, you know, have universal sex and I want to like have a universal connection. I want his primalness to come out and all of these things. And, you know, he's this nice guy and I just want him to be this fucking, you know, roar and this fucking lion. And, um, you know, Tony stands up or Tony's looking at her. He goes, it sounds like you like the universe a lot. And, uh, <laughs> And he says to her, she goes, is there a special man in your life? You know, is that man, do you have one of those? And, and, uh, she said, yes. And, um, he stood, he's like, all right, well stand up. You know, he told this guy to stand up and then he read his and every time he just kept looking at her for validation on what he was saying, like it sounded nothing like what she was saying. And, I literally felt my heart drop. I was like, that's, that's me. Like that's fucking me. And I have goosebumps just like right now, just like as I'm yeah. telling this, because that me version too. of me is like, I have so much compassion for, for him because it's not the one that exists anymore. Right. And, um, so this guy, he starts taking this guy through a process. And he said this one thing to him, you know, she he shared the, the sheep and the lion story. Are you familiar with that? Maybe. So, um, a pack of lions, there's a, a baby lion that was born and there's a pack of lions that got massacred by hyenas, but the, the mother lion hid the baby lion in a bush, like far away. And this baby lion watched his entire family get massacred. And then the next day he got up and he found a family of sheep and, uh, he went and became a part of the sheep's family until the sheep became, this lion became an adult, but this lion is, you know, uh, sounds like a sheep. Ah. Right, mm -hmm. and until one day a pack of lions comes and massacres the sheep, but not him. And he in the, the the baby lion, which is not a baby anymore, it's like, why did you kill my family? You know, like why why are you why? Are, and then the lion a lion that came and said, you're not a fucking sheep, like like look at like look in your reflection in the, in the water. And he sees that he's a lion, but he still doesn't believe him. He still doesn't believe that he's a lion. 
until he takes a part of the sheep and shoves it down his mouth. And then he realized with this energy that came through him, he wasn't, you know, bahing anymore. Yeah. He fucking, he fucking roared and he, he found out who he was. And so. I love that story. I've never yeah. heard it, but I love it. I, that really it's, resonates with me. It's fucking, it's fucking powerful because yeah. we all have that line inside of us, mm -hmm. except we were raised in a, in a society of sheep without, you know, being, uh, Judgment. Not, no judgmental yeah no judgmentalness we were literally born into it you know it we're, we're born into this cage in a sense and um he said this one thing to him after he told that story and he said and it stuck with me forever it's one of the most powerful things that i i still talk about to this day and it's he said to him heal the boy and the man will appear and that saying like shook me to my core to the point where I literally started crying. I had no idea why my whole body had a visceral response. And like I started, I paused it and I just kept saying it, heal the boy and the man will appear. Like, what does that mean? Like heal the boy and the man will appear. Obviously my body had a response to it. And what ended up happening was in an instant, I just started doing my own shadow work. I didn't understand like what, sh I, you know, shadow work was at the time. I was already doing it. I just didn't know I was doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but I went all the way back in chronological order from re most recent girlfriend or, you know, woman I was dating. She wasn't necessarily my girlfriend at the time, just dating her all the way back until like just childhood. And I saw like, I'm the common denominator in all my relationships, right? I can't change anybody else. I can only work on myself. And I'm like, why am I this way though? Because for me, I like to understand the root cause. Mm -hmm. And so I went all the way back and just kept going, kept going all the way to high school and that relationship. And then I went back into my childhood and I looked at the relationship I had with my father at the, you know, during childhood and the relationship I had with my mother and my father was physically present, but he wasn't emotionally present. And I understand now, you know, and I, I started to understand that. It's like they did the very best they possibly could with what they what they could in that time. Right. So I have no uh, resentment or, you know, judgment or anything. I just needed to understand. And I realized because I didn't have the guidance from my father, I got it from my mother who always said, just be a nice guy. Don't be like those jerks. Just be a nice boy. It's Man. so funny that you say this because I'm telling you, I, I resonate with this so much. Like this is, it sounds very similar to my story. This, yeah. this part about the childhood. Yeah. And a lot of men experience this. They, they resonate with this part, right? It's like we're, we live in a uh, society of almost fatherless families. Right. Even if the father was physically present, like, yeah, they did what they had to do to provide for our family to make sure we had food and a roof over our head. And so fucking grateful for that, because like, I'll never know what it's like to starve. Like yeah. a lot of, like, you know, like there's a lot of people that do. And there's still a part of honoring the part that I didn't get the love that I needed and the support that I needed in the times that I did. Have you have you ever heard of the term uh, proximal abandonment? Mm -mm. Oh, it's such a good term. So I, I, 
I've brought this up to my family in the past and and they didn't really like the term because it's I come from Catholicism and there's a lot of like you know we got to maintain an image there can be no like mistakes because that's sin and we don't want to do that kind of thing mm -hmm. um but proximal abandonment I can't remember the guy's name he was on like the second or third zeitgeist movie he's a, a therapist and he um I'm pretty sure he coined the term proximal abandonment basically what it means is a person is physically there proximally like close but they're not emotionally there so it can almost be worse than if they just left like and you never knew them because then you mm -hmm. can like compartmentalize it in your mind and be like all right screw that guy you know he left me i gotta do this myself kind of thing but when they are physically present and not emotionally present and you really needed that emotional support like i needed the emotional support more than my two younger brothers did and there's nothing that doesn't make me better or make them better it's just we're different and so like they don't understand when I try to explain this to them. Like there's nothing, your dad did nothing wrong. He did everything that he could do. And he's, you know, and, and I just tell him like, this is what I needed. I didn't get it. I'm not mad anymore. It's done. It's over with, but it, so I just want to explain that proximal abandonment. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, that's kind of the term that it sounds like you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that in. Cause uh, it, it was exactly that, you know, and, and there is no, um, blame. It's just an understanding and an awareness, right? So I ended up, once I figured this out, that's when I started like bawling, crying. I was like, I became, I became, uh, that way be in, in a sense, because of what I had experienced as a child and even going into the, you know, forms of, you know, feeling abandoned like proximal abandonment, just like you said, it's like this fear of not being loved or who I am is not good enough in the moment. So I need to become somebody else in yep. order to get that love. Yep. And even if that didn't exist in the sense of like actually happening, it's still perceived. Right. And that's what matters. I mean, how you perceived right. it is how it impacts you and, and then influences you into your life in the future. Right. And we had no conscious thought during that time because everything you know, subconscious mind is being formed from the third trimester to the age of seven years old. Right. So before we're even born until we're seven years old, there's 95% of our adult decisions come from that place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that starts to form, we have no control over it, obviously, right? It's unconscious, subconscious. It's there, but it's like we, unless we bring awareness to it, which is what we're doing now as adults, uh, then or, or unless we bring awareness to it, it will continue to control our life. And then we'll be continue to be victims of our own life. Everything heal. is everybody else's fault, right? Gotta, gotta heal the boy. Right. So coming back to healing the boy, I had this realization and I was like, I have to have a conversation with my father. So I think I, uh, I think that was January 2nd. I had a conversation. I flew up to North Carolina because that's where they were at the time. Uh, they're here now in, in Florida. And uh, I had a conversation with my dad. And it was the first time in, I think at that time I was 30. It's the first time in 30 years I'd ever seen this man cry. And it was not to blame. You know, he got to tell me his story. He got to tell me, you know, his childhood and my father's from Sicily and, you know, 
didn't really show much emotion. Definitely didn't cry as a kid. Um, but I finally got to, ha I had a lot of compassion for him. I just realized that he was doing the very best that he could with what, you know, what he knew. And his relationship with his father was not healthy. And so it just continued to trickle down into, into us. Right. And, um, you know, this, this happened in again, January 6th of 2019. And this, this year really changed me because it's when I started to actually the men's group here in St. Pete. And at that time it was just an idea. I was just telling people about it. And I talked to this one guy over at a Kava bar over here and I told him my idea and we talked for two and a half hours and he's like, let's do it at my place. And I was like, all right. Um, so we got eight guys together and we all brought food and I pitched my idea and then it just started to grow. It just, at that time in 2019, it started with eight of us, then it grew to 10, 12, 20, and then it, it, it grew to 50. And then, uh, you know, right before that, the reason why it grew so big is because I went to a men's initiation retreat and I met one of the volunteers there and he ended up staying with me for three months and he wow. just told everybody about it. Um, his name is Duncan and he's become one of my closest friends. We've actually, uh, facilitated two retreats together and, uh, he t literally started telling everybody and I was not prepared. I, I didn't, I didn't have the space for it. I was, you know, just having people at my house and I'm like, I can't fit 50 guys in here. Like this is like fucking insane. So I ended up, uh, there's this place <laughs> downtown right next to inner intermezzo. Are you familiar with it? Intermezzo? I know. Yeah. Intermezzo. yeah. So right next to it was this place. Um, and for, for your listeners, cause I know they may be listening any everywhere, but there was this place next to it that used to be called uh, bomb Avenue market. And it was a big, uh, space where they had multiple concept restaurants in there. And at night they, they were closed at like five or six, maybe it was like six or seven. It was like 6 PM. They stayed closed. And I had to, I used that space cause I had a friend who had a restaurant that was in there. And I was like, dude, I need a bigger space. I don't have the capacity to hold all these men in my place. And so we got to use that space and, and just kept using it. And cause it just kept growing and growing and growing. And within two months, there's over a hundred men in, in the group. And it grew, I think at the time there, it grew to like 350. Oh my God. Yeah. And it wasn't, mind you, it wasn't all at this, all at, at once, time, right. right? But like 350 men, you know, with the majority of them being like 30 to 50 at a time. And I was working a full-time corporate job at the time. Like I was just not prepared. I didn't see myself as a leader. Uh, at all. I didn't see myself as any of that. And that's been a part of my journey and my process is really stepping into this role of just like, uh, if you're familiar with the 16 personalities, Myers-Briggs test, mm -hmm. I'm a INFJA, which is, um, like the advocate counselor. It's like 1.5% of the entire population. It's one, I think it's the rarest one. Basically it's, the it's the, leader with a calm demeanor and just like a, a self-confidence to lead from a, a grounded place in a sense. And I looked at that thing and I'm like, that's not me. Like, there's no fucking way that that's me. 
And that's actually who my journey has been becoming that and like guiding men into becoming their own leader of, of who they are. And, and part of the mission of men of refuge, um, and I'll say this part, I'll, I'll give both parts, but it's to create a world where the first thing anyone feels when a man walks in the room is I'm safe here. I'm protected here. And this is my shelter with the intention of not making men more masculine, but helping men reconnect to their masculinity that's already in them right like tapping into that innate power that we were born with and doing it in a conscious assertive not aggressive Mm -hmm. grounded and uh intentional way and that's why i feel like masculine leadership is such a big thing for me because i never saw myself as a leader especially in a world where I never had a healthy masculine figure or saw a healthy masculine figure. And so like we're, we're stepping into a new paradigm of what healthy masculinity looks like or embodied masculinity looks like intentional masculinity, because, you know, there's still these old traditional values that can exist in a relationship, but you know, women are not just going to be stay at home. I don't want to say just stay at home because that's not the right thing to say yeah it's right i feel like you yeah it's being a stay-at-home mom is such a powerful choice right and that's not all that women want anymore right right like we see it every day like i mean my woman is a very strong woman who wants to be a mother but does not want that to be her only thing she's very purpose-driven and so that's been a part of my work is uh, really welcoming that because I want, I do want, uh, I have wanted the child to be a priority and the child is a priority when that time comes because we've already had these conversations. And I also understand that she needs her own autonomy, her own freedom, her own sovereignty and her own choice in that. And so um, we are, shifting our paradigm of masculinity into a very different way and i feel like there's a lot of confusion right now yeah i I think that part of it comes from our society especially in the western world in america we see femininity as this like weaker of the two right and so if a man is in a healthy masculine state in a truly healthy masculine state he also has a strong, powerful feminine energy that's a part of his masculine energy, right? And so being a father and caring for the kids and being there emotionally for them, that's having a healthy feminine energy to complement his masculine energy. And I think a lot of times we kind of look that look at that as a weakness. We still are looking at that as a weakness. And so it makes it, it puts extra pressure on the woman, I feel like, to have to fully take on the parenting part of it Mm. and and then she feels like she loses her autonomy like you're saying absolutely yeah it's it's not it's not realistic anymore you know when i think of when i think of my lady in particular she's been single and on her own for for four years and you know she also didn't have a healthy i would say in her mind you know in her mind a healthy masculine figure in a sense and you know, so she's had to fend for herself, provide for herself, do things for herself. And, you know, she doesn't need me to do these things for her. 
do I desire to? Absolutely. And so that's been a part of our work is like uh, welcoming in because my, my life is revolved around relating, you know, mm-hmm. understanding, relating, intimate relating. And, you know, my, hers is not in that sense, right? Like that hasn't been her focus. And so even, even just bringing in the sense of like masculine and feminine dynamics has been a huge growth process for our relationship and stuff that we are still navigating mm-hmm. because for me, uh, when, when I was, you know, desiring things and, you know, conflict we would get into is because of this misunderstanding of when I would, you know, want to do things, it was, she felt it was coming from a place of, I'm, I was trying to control her or, or, or oppress her or in that sense. And for me, it was coming from a place of, I feel like you're not trusting in me to lead mm-hmm. right in the, in the way that I, I, I like to desire to not coming from a place of control or oppression. Obviously, you know, me, that's not my MO at all. Right. Um, so there was, there's been, uh, you know, there's been conflict and in conflict, it's like, you know, the diamond in the rough, right? It's got to fucking keep going. It's got to be pressured and there's got to, you know, until this diamond arises. And I feel like we're, we're, you know, creating this process right now. Well, and I think that women are put at somewhat of a disadvantage in the sense that they're encouraged to embrace masculine energy, right? More mm-hmm. like in this Western society, and they don't even know how to receive a lot. Not, not I, I'm saying that in a general sense. I'm not saying all women, but there's a lot of women out there that they don't know how to receive a healthy masculine energy. They like it. They see it as like you're saying, like forcing them or repressing them or and it's uh it's something that i feel like it, when i look back on it wasn't i wasn't around 150 years ago 100 years ago mm-hmm. but it was something that back then there was definitely some unhealthy masculinity going on but in a sense women were more receptive to their man taking charge taking the lead and they didn't see it as him like trying to control her as much as it was he's leading i follow i'm i have this feminine energy that receives and it it tends that polarity tends to be a healthier dynamic um and uh, one thing that i one other thing i like to mention before you keep going uh is that the feminine energy is really in a in a sense it is the more powerful of the energies mm-hmm. it, that ability to receive and to surrender and to allow things to flow instead of forcing them uh, you got to have both sides of the polarity but like we so often are, are taught in this Western society that the feminine energy is the inferior of the two. And if, if you go out there and you get what you need and you take charge and you take grab life by the horns, you know, and you work 60 hours a week so you can make $250,000 a year, then you're worth something. But the, that's why I love the Tao Te Ching. And I'm going to mention this many times on my podcast is it teaches us that nature that feminine energy in nature is what really gives life to everything. And that's where the true power resides. Mm. So I, I, I would love to see, and I do think we're moving more into this time now where we're starting to realize more and more that that's the truth and that it's okay to for women to be in that more receptive state. Doesn't mean you can't have a job. Doesn't mean you can't have a career that you're successful in and have your own autonomy, but also embracing that 
that receptive feminine energy and realizing that it's not a weakness at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you spot on. Like we, our society, our like you've been saying, our Westernized society is a hyper masculine society, right? Like if you if you look at our work weeks, right, a, a, a normal nine to five or eight to five or now whatever it is, eight thirty to five. A woman's cycle doesn't work that way. Totally. Right? It goes completely against that. It's not it it's not meant for for that. And so you're right, we have our society has masculinized in a sense, energetically masculinized women. And it's not it's not healthy in that sense. I was just listening to a podcast and maybe you heard this episode the other day from uh Man Uncivilized. Mm. And he interviewed a woman and she was talking about the cycles for women and the fact that them taking the pill and basically because they had their cycle it every month it's it's like the four seasons. And so by taking the pill and kind of disrupting that normal cycle, that it's putting them in, in uh perpetual summer. And and mm. because they want that linear hormonal uh like timeline, they don't want to have to go through those cycles. And so it's unnatural and it, it throws them off in so many different ways. And so I, I noticed this just in the gym since I heard that podcast a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm noticing that I see these same women in the gym week after week going in there four or five days a week and and they're going hard. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just observing. But there's probably a good chance that they are taking birth control and they're in that perpetual summer and it just throws their hormones off that it it messes with them so yeah i mean uh i've heard now i haven't experienced this myself yet but i've heard when you know if a woman's been on birth control for so long and then she's in a relationship and she's dating somebody and she comes off of it she decides to come off of it she's not the same person anymore right even to the sense even to the the fact of pheromones changing right because the hormones are trying to regulate back to what they naturally were right right the body's always going to go back to you know try to find its own homeostasis in a sense and so those two become incompatible now because they were compatible with a sense of like her not being you know who you know what her body naturally was and i believe birth control is one of the worst things ever created that's just my opinion, I understand there's some health benefits without going too much into this. Um, I understand there's some, you know, reasons why women may need to go on it for like pelvic floor issues and, and stuff like that. But really it's like the reason why it's prescribed is just because of a lack of fucking care or yeah. just teaching women or like educating women. And the same with men in the sense, like in the same with men in like porn and all this shit. Right. Right. Like there's just a lack of education or lack of ability on teaching us how to it's almost becomes like it's a nuisance. Yeah. And right? and and that's that's so important that men learn about these cycles, because in order for a man to be in a healthy masculine state and in order to be there for his woman, however, she needs him to be. He needs to understand how she naturally is, how the cycles go. And then he can provide her what she needs depending on what season she's in in her monthly cycle. 
Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the things that they really touched on on that podcast. And I loved it. I highly recommend I should go and find it so I can let people know what the episode that was. It's a recent episode on Man Uncivilized, but it's so it it, it it's it really I really feel like it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I um, when I learned about the cycles I think it was like two years ago I started looking more into this because I was like I should I should probably know about this like this would make sense because it's ultimately what I desire is to be in a relationship with a woman who is in tune with her cycles mm-hmm. um you know something that's you know funny is you know when I asked like what is it that you need during this time you know and and you know before I met uh Lulu I've actually asked her too though but uh I get the look of what it, like what do you mean what do i need right like you know i used to call them uh, period packages like what do you need during this time you know do you like chocolates or roses or do you like uh wine or bubble baths or a massage or do you just you know do you want to be left alone mm-hmm. normally it's the left alone with you know maybe some cuddles here and there but it's just like going inward for them mm-hmm. and so these are things that a lot of men don't know, right? Like men think that their woman is crazy and really it's just her hormones changing. And I'm like, that should be something that they should teach us. Yeah. And that's an immature masculine that like when you're talking about not teaching men how to be real men, that's an immature masculinity that's saying, oh, she's just crazy. She's, you know, whatever. This is her crazy time of the month. You have no idea what she's going through. You, know, mm-hmm. you cannot know. You just can't. You're in that perpetual linear hormonal summer. You don't have to deal with any of those things. So y- you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, their, their cycles are 28 days. Ours are men's cycles are 24 hours. Yeah. So we go through like we can have highs and lows all in the same day. And, and right. uh, but anyways, yeah. Um. So maybe... Let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about um, your breath work that you've done, Mm. the trauma work. Yeah. So when I, I had experienced um, back in 2019, obviously I'd, you know, done uh, MDMA and ecstasy and LSD and these things. And I, I had, I would say an unconscious awakening or you know, spontaneous awakening, unconscious, spontaneous awakening at a music festival back in 2016, where my pineal gland popped. And, um, you know, I never saw the world the same after that. That was kind of what started everything for me. I had always wondered, and I think feel like this is one of the reasons why I kept chasing, you know, I kept chasing because I, I wanted to seek that feeling again. And in 2019, after I started the men's group, I started getting invited to a lot of like workshops locally. You know, some tea, like tea ceremonies and meditations and sound baths. And uh, I got invited to a breath work. It was like 45 minutes, uh, like 45 minutes to an hour long workshop. In the workshop, it was only 20 minutes of breathing. But it was a different breath and I, I i'd been used to doing wim hof when wim hof first came out like when mm-hmm. he or when he first started getting big yeah 
uh, and learning about meditation and all that stuff, I had only done Wim Hof before. And so I tried this breath work. And um, one of the things that I utilizing the certain breath that we did, which is like all in and out through the mouth. It's like a two part breath. We're like, and it's called it. David Elliott is uh, the practitioner who teaches this. And um, it was from a local woman in our community. She recently just moved away. I went to her workshop and I popped my pineal gland again. And I was like, holy shit, I can do this naturally. And so, and this was only 20 minutes of breathing, right? Well, but I, I, I used my voice and my expression. Nobody in there was doing that. Mm-hmm. Nobody in there was, I just started fucking like yelling, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, because that's what wanted to come up. And, you know, obviously, you know, because of the work that I do now, like somatic and expression and, and like really using using our expression as a way of catharsis in a controlled way if, if it's necessary not forced to release unprocessed trauma and whatnot or to release uh things that are trapped and stored in the body not necessarily just trauma but stress um and so i realized i can i can do this naturally and i just kept doing it and i did it so much that i was like ungrounded i was like oh, okay i can't keep doing this i All need right. to I need to reground. I need to integrate. I need to do these things. I learned very quickly. I was like, I can't just be in the ethers, you know? And, um, especially not as a man. Right. Exactly. I feel like right now we are, we are seeing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of men who are in the ethers doing this kind of work and they're, they're not grounded enough. They're not integrated enough. Uh, and this isn't again shame or judgment or anything like that it's like there's a reason why we're doing the work that we're doing right it's to create a space to show you like where you're out of alignment and how to get back into it and do it in a place where you're not going to be judged um let me i just want to inject one thing so uh i do feel like there's kind of a blueprint right and and that everyone's on their own path and it's, it's that blueprint is slightly different for each person but when we're talking about some of this stuff, it I, I really feel like a lot of the depression and the anxiety and a lot of the things that people are experiencing nowadays comes from being out of that alignment and, and, and straying away from that blueprint. And then society tells us that, oh, it's OK, you know, you're just doing your own thing. You can do your own thing. Don't get me wrong. But if it's not working, there are ways to come back more into that alignment, back more more in alignment with that blueprint that you mm-hmm. were kind of born with. And it will feel more natural. You'll feel more at ease, more at peace with yourself. And things will start to work out in your favor more in your life by coming back into that, that, um, I keep saying alignment, but I mean, that's kind of what it is, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about, um, I'm trying to think of, alignment blueprint oh there's a lot of us that are there that are not in that right we're not acting in our blueprint we're not acting in our alignment we're not acting in our dharma and you know spirit universe god source whatever the belief system is i say gus which is god universe spirit source will continue to do things and show us things and create paths for us and 
to show us where we're not in alignment or where we are in alignment. If things are flowing and like doors are opening, we're probably in alignment. Right. But if things are not and everything is just crumbling, it's time to look at your life, right? Right. And you can be making money, but if you're not happy, if you're depressed, if you're on anti-anxiety, anti-depression, and this is nothing against people who are on that stuff. I'm not judging you at all, but I'm just mm -hmm. saying that like that depression, I, what I've learned through, I mean, I've probably spent, I don't know how many actual years in depression, but so many years of my adult life were in depression. And it mm -hmm. was because I was being called to do something different. And I, uh, my environment that I was in, um, my stubborn mentality, all of these things were, were keeping me away from that path that I was being called to be led onto. And, uh, I, I see depression now, like, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not calling it in. I don't want it to happen, but I see it now as a, as a signpost and not a punishment. You know, it's mm. God universe is not punishing you. It's trying to show you, and by making you uncomfortable, it's helping you to start to search for ways to reconcile that whatever is out of alignment to come back into because it's it it wants you like it wants you to be happy, like yeah. it doesn't want you to be miserable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, being being in that state, it, like I know it all. I know it all too well like that depressive state, it's hard to get out of it, right? And it's it's hard to get out of bed sometimes. Mm -hmm. So for anybody listening to this, you know, if this is something that you do listen to and you're in that state, it's like, you're not fucking alone. You're not, you know? and I believe in you, we believe mm -hmm. in you. Like, I know anyone can do this. Uh, you, it, it takes work, but the first step is believing in yourself. And one thing that I would like to mention too is that what has helped me over time is looking in the mirror and just simply saying, I love you mm -hmm. to yourself, whatever your name is. I'm Trevor. I love you, Trevor. And saying it repeatedly until you really feel like you mean it. And not because I don't, I, I love you because you did this, or I love you because you do that, or I love you because mm -hmm. you look like this or whatever. I just love you. Unconditional love for yourself. And by saying it in the mirror, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying it is a really powerful exercise that I've, that I've found. So, yeah. Yeah. And let yourself feel it. Yeah. Like, don't. as men, we're, we're taught to cut ourselves off yep. from that. Right. And so things that we've, and it's fucking crazy, right? Cause we're human beings. We're, we're, we're not, it's not a male thing or a female thing to cry or to let yourself feel. It's a human thing. Right. Right. And so just like allowing yourself to feel like it is okay to feel. And, you know, I, I feel like part of the mission is to give men permission to feel and to also give the younger generation permission to feel. Absolutely. Because now I'm so, I, you know, when people talk about social media, it can be like either the bane of their existence or it's fucking amazing, right? Yeah. And it can be both. And a, one thing I do think it's done incredibly is show, is connect us with so many people and show that it is okay to do, to, to feel that, right? Like it's okay to feel a certain emotion because there's men now online who are posting their shit all the time, right? And just, like I've posted some stuff on my social media about this, of uh, just like, it's okay to feel it is 
there's so much power in, in our emotions. And when you're stuffing them down, the ones that you don't want to feel that are uncomfortable, that's still there. If you don't work through it, if you don't allow it to be expressed, then you can try to pretend like you're a tough guy and that, you know, you don't need to feel them, but it's still, that energy is still there and you are not in your fully empowered state if you're not allowing that stuff to be expressed and let out. Yeah. So, so you can try to say it's it's weakness or whatever, but it's really not. It's it's actually the opposite, and that comes kind of kind of kind of comes back to what I was saying of the the feminine energy is the more powerful. When you're allowing yourself to just receive that energy and let it flow through, it there's serious power in that. Absolutely, and breath work is is a way to do that. Absolutely. It has been it has been my way of doing that, right, and a lot of other people too. To the point of, you know, I haven't touched psychedelics and I can't even remember the last time because I realized I can do this naturally and not, there's nothing wrong with, you know, totally. any, any, uh, psilocybin or anything. I, I probably will do it again at some point. Um, I just, I, when I found the breath and just like deeper levels of breathing and like longer experiences and realize like I can process a lot of this stuff. And here's the good thing about breath work. This is what I love. This is one of the reasons why I became a practitioner is because it gives you the power to, because you did it right? right. It's, it's not a plant medicine again, like respect to the plant medicines, but this is you, yep. this is you doing the work And this. I don't believe breath work gives you more than you can handle. So it's like you take what you experience and then you slowly start integrating it into your daily life. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes with plant medicines like ayahuasca and psilocybin or, or what, you know, these things that, uh, you know, the plants have consciousness, right? These things have consciousness. And so sometimes they have their own agenda inside of us, right? When we ingest it, we're on a journey. Right. When we're going in the breath work, where it's us, like it's us doing it. Mm -hmm. So I became a practitioner back in 2021. Um, a friend of mine started it and it, started his own thing and he's like i think you should be a part of this like i was one of his first students and i fucking loved it like and i loved being able to you know support people in their journey and going on this journey and then this process and i've since evolved it into my my own thing be like all, like all students do they make it their own in a sense of like now i've changed it so many ways like i've i've added things i've taken things out i uh I would say mine's more of like an actual, like it's a journey. It's not just like a rocket ship and then coming down. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is a journey into finding your own pace, your own rhythm, and really trusting in yourself and your own innate intelligence. I love that because that, that's yeah. a, a central part of what I want this podcast to be is about like, we can talk about these things. We can talk about different modalities and different things that can help you. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you got to find what resonates for you and do that and listen to yourself, listen to your own body, listen to your own mind and go on your own journey. And don't, you know, there is no guru. Like people mm. can kind of lead you, but you do not need a guru. You right. are your you, own guru. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I love, I love that you're making that a part of the mission of this podcast because it's so important. It's so important for people to realize that they are their own healer. Right. Like for me, when I'm facilitating in, you know, retreats, workshops, uh, these one-on-one -on -one sessions, like 
it's not me doing it for you. Okay. It's me. I'm supporting you in the space that's being held so that you can go deeper within yourself. Yep. And I feel like that's the most important thing. It's just like really helping people come home to themselves. Like that's what that's what we need more of is is that totally agree you know i'm my own healer you're your own healer yep. so uh so i guess this is maybe a good point for me to tell this and i don't know if i said it in a previous episode i don't think i did but mm. what what i trying to show people like by this master of zilch thing and it just kind of worked out you're your own messiah so the superman s represents hope and so Superman is kind of like a messiah figure, you know, in the comic books. And mm -hmm. so by flipping it around, it, it makes a Z. And so the only way to see that hope is when you look in the mirror, you are your own hope. You're, nobody mm -hmm. else is coming to save you. You are your own messiah. And then it worked out that master of none was taken. So I had to make it master of zilch. And so it's a Z. And that's the mm -hmm. Superman S backwards is a Z. Okay, I just want to explain it really quick. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that we do. Um, you know, one of the other things that I do is I start a trauma-informed somatic leadership academy mm -hmm. uh, for coaches and practitioners to learn how to facilitate not just breath work, but trauma-informed care. And, and with the intention of before you can lead others, you have to lead yourself first. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that we do is teach our practitioners about resourcing. And resourcing is is... You know, not just the breathwork part, but what do, you know, what are you giving your clients to do on their own, right? In order to trust in themselves when they're not in a deep uh, breathwork session with you or in a coaching session with you or whatever it may be, it's resourcing your 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 clients with the tools so that they can regulate their own nervous system from a moment is, to moment standpoint, right? Because like, the, okay, so if you look at this, right, the reasons why we meditate, the reasons why we do cold plunges, the reasons why we do breath work is not to get high or to become calm in, when nobody's around. It's to do all that stuff when you're in chaos, right? So for me, the biggest test right now for me presently is my intimate relationship because how can I regulate my nervous system when things feel chaotic? You know, when I'm in a disagreement with my woman and we are not, you know, you know, we are both in a place of trying to prove a point, right? Which is, again, not the norm for us, but at the same time, it's like sometimes it happens oh, yeah. where we just want to be, we just want to get our point across. And that's not what, that's not what's needed, mm -hmm. right? But how can I regulate my own breath in those moments? How can I calm myself my nervous system so i can respond instead of be reactive to her absolutely and again it's like this shit if we're not doing it it will show up absolutely you know i agree so that's the whole point of this stuff it's like you want to you want to meditate in a quiet room that's not going to do shit for you go meditate in the middle of new york city <laughs> Right. Well, I, I do have to put a plug in for transcendental meditation then, because I do yeah. feel like as long as there's not a conversation, go, I mean, I can still do it. But when there's a conversation going like a single conversation, it's kind of hard because sometimes my mind will try to go with the conversation. But transcendental mm -hmm. meditation, that um, mantra that they give you is it just helps you immediately transcend. And, and you could you can you can meditate anywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, TM's, TM's powerful. I I got my mantra in like 20, I think 2019. You practice TM? I have, yeah. You got, you you took the class? Yep. How did I not know this? It was I, haven't really I haven't really shared it much. So. Well, we're starting a group. There's several of us down here that are, we want to start like a group where we meet at least once a week and meditate together because it is powerful to hmm. for people to meditate together in a group. I'll be down to do that. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, awesome. I'll add you to the list. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, any, um, I'm trying to think of where we just were. Any other questions? Well, I'm trying to kind of keep it to an hour just because in these yeah. days of attention spans, and I'm guilty of it too, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I would love to have you back on because there's we could do 100 more episodes. Oh yeah, I feel like we just we just touched the surface. Barely scratched the surface. I do want to get yeah. more into relationships, and because mm -hmm. uh, I feel like you've done a lot of work in that, and you have a lot to offer. And I I really like you were saying before, there's a thirst for this. People are realizing more and more, and I, especially I think younger people in their 20s, they're seeing people in their 30s, and they're seeing unhappy, you know, single almost hopelessly single people uh and and it's just obviously there's things that we have been doing that are not working and people are looking for some something different you know mm -hmm. yeah we're we're creating an uh, again we're not just we're not just shifting a new paradigm of masculinity we're shifting a new paradigm of of intimate relating yep right and you know, again, we'll probably talk, dive more into this. This is like my favorite stuff to talk about, you Me know, too. is intimacy, relationships, Me too. Um, co-relating and all these things. It's, it's, it's so different than what we were, we were taught and, and what the movies have shown, right? It's not a, it's not a fucking Disney movie. It's not a romantic comedy, right? Yeah. You know, they're, 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 every, all those movies literally end as like someone's breaking up a wedding or or you know something's happening and then these yeah. two are together and you know they either get married but nothing they don't show what happens after the marriage after that, like after right. that yeah. and it's just like it's not it's not realistic right you know totally. so yeah i i love i would love to dive into that with you yeah because uh, i i think that we can look at it from both sides and this is actually the topic one of the main topics from my last episode was empathy and genuine mm -hmm. empathy and seeing it from the other person's perspective, not so you can get something out of it, simply because you want to understand where they're coming from. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be cool to have maybe like, uh, I mean, one-on-one is always good, but we could have like a couple different people on at the same time, like a woman or two as well. And then mm -hmm. we can talk about, and they can talk about their experience and, and, you know, how they see things from their side. And I think it would be a cool dynamic. Yeah. I could, uh, I could talk to Lulu, see if she'd be down for that. Yeah. You know, cause she's got a front, she's got a front row seat at all my shit storms. <laughs> I'm very, a, I'm very a... just raw and honest. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I've done a lot of work, right? Like, and just like you have, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of work on myself and this belief that I have is we get wounded in relationships, but that's also where we go to heal. Yep. And so I can be fucking solid in who I am when I'm by myself. And I know that the real healing comes when I'm in relationship with another person. Mm -hmm. 
right? Even in, in, even in relationship with a friend or a brother, right? Like that's where the real work is done. Right. Because now we're taking both of our shit and coming into a place together and that unconscious stuff that's been kind of, you know, yeah, is now coming up and it's just like, oh, fuck. And that's where, like, like I was talking on the last episode, Aaron and I were talking on the last episode. That's where that empathy and compassion comes in, because if you're coming at it, trying to you're trying to be right and you're trying to, you know, show them that they don't know what they're talking about. You're not coming from a place of empathy and you have no idea what that person has been going through. You see one little sliver of their life to try to really see it from their perspective. And it doesn't have to be one of you is right and one of you is wrong. You know, you see it from their perspective. If they can see it from your perspective, you can come to this common ground. It doesn't mean that one person conceded to the other one. It just means that you're seeing each other from each other's perspectives. And then by coming to that common ground, there's you, you kind of resolve that conflict mm-hmm. not that there can't always be some conflict because conflict is a, it's a healthy thing like we learn a lot from that conflict without any conflict it's kind of i think we, you're kind of lying to yourself we need conflict yeah. you know i would say we we need conflict and we need to understand how to fight clean yeah in a sense i'm not talking about physical i'm talking about like argumentative Right. Like we, we need to understand how to do it because that is actually what expands us and what gives us the opportunity for growth. Yeah. Right. Can we meet in this place beyond right and wrong and really and really understand the needs at our core? Yeah. Right. One of the best things that one of my best friends said to me is, you know, what the ego sees is tension, what the heart sees is tenderness. Well, I, I kind of added the with the ego and with the heart sees his was tension and tenderness what's underneath the tension like at its core and as difficult as it may be to commute to to get to get to that place and communicate from there from there yeah because that place is 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 coming from a place of you know wanting to be heard seen validated wanting to be held right wanting to be expressed the anger is easy yeah Right, the anger is the easy part. It's actually the the the, ten, the tenderness part. That's the hardest to get to. There's a, a release technique. Is a technique I actually shared this on a spirituality podcast, Sam Tripoli's spirituality podcast called Zero a few years ago, and the release technique talks about. It's also been called the Sedona method, but it there's a like a hierarchy of of emotions and it goes from apathy to grief to fear to lust to anger to pride so you have anger and in that argument you're you're angry and then you have the pride of you wanting to be right but then it's the courage comes after that is courageousness and then acceptance and then peace so being courageous enough to see it from the other person's perspective lay down the sword and and see it from their perspective and accept them for where they're coming from even if it's not exactly how you see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave you with this. This might be a good segue into the next, uh, into the next, see, see Kiki behind me, uh, into yeah. the next, into the next podcast. I heard this and it just stuck with me. Um, when two people are in a, in a fight, they're shouting at each other, right? They can be right next to each other and they're shouting at each other. And, there's this belief it's like it's I might butcher this but even though you're right next to someone you may be physically next to someone 
But the idea is that if you're shouting at each other because that's the furthest away your hearts are. Mm. Like your hearts are far away. I like that. And the same thing goes for the opposite, right? You can be in the same room with somebody and just feel this calm and this peace and this presence, right? And your hearts, you know, while you may not physically be in the same spot next to each other, your hearts are so close, which is why you can sit in silence and just feel the love that's in the room. Well, and that field, that energy field that's radiating from the heart is way, goes way farther out than the, than the mind does, than the, what the brain or the, you know, the head is creating. And mm. I feel like that's probably part of that is that when you're both in that calm, emotional state and, you know, coming from more of a place of love coming from the heart, then you can feel each other from, from farther away. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Fabiano, this is a fantastic episode so thankful to have you on and um i i can't wait to do this again i mean we should probably make this at least like a monthly thing if not if not more i think that'd be fun yeah yeah thank you uh, trev it's been an honor to be on here and just to dive deep into this stuff and um yeah i'm, I'm grateful that i got to meet you during some of the, the men's councils that i was facilitating was that last year yeah yeah last year and uh yeah, and just it's been beautiful to to see the shift happen in you or like feel it, I should say, from when I first met you until, you know, now yeah. it's it's been really powerful. So I hope that we can continue to do some some work together. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I a lot of things have changed in my life to make me a, a lot more grounded and uh, centered now. So. Yeah, I'm excited for for what you're doing here. I'm excited for you. Keep it going. Thank you, Fabio. Keep it going. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of Master of Zilch. Um, we got a lot more coming. As I've mentioned before, Bob Roth is coming soon. I got a couple more people lined up for next week. Uh, a woman and a man talking about different modalities and their journeys and uh, really looking forward to it. I hope you guys get as much out of this as I have talking to Fabiano and uh, we will I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. And remember, you are your own Messiah and I believe in you.